This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Hey, right on. Thanks for tuning in tonight. And the Golden Bears score just as we come back from break. At 940 of the second period, the opening goal of the game, Jaden Hart putting in a wrister from between the circles, top of the circles. The former Prince Albert Raider. And the Golden Bears lead the U of S Huskies 1-0. The shot's now 13-13. So U of A can't catch the Huskies for first place, trying to overtake Mount Royal for second place, get the big first goal in this game shortly after killing off a penalty. So the U of A up 1-0. NHL tonight, Flames leading the Blue Jackets 1-0 early in the second period. Hurricanes up 4-1 on the Jets. That one about eight minutes into the third. The Lightning with a 4-3 lead over the Penguins with five minutes to go. Later on tonight, it is the Coyotes up against the Ducks. Oilers and Canadians tomorrow noon face-off here on 6.30. Chad, the face-off show will be at 10.30 in the morning. Rob Brown will return. He was in uh, Kamloops last night. We'll find out how that went. Super Bowl 50 coming up on Sunday afternoon. The Broncos against the Panthers. Uh, Text coming into 6.30, 6.30 with predictions. I'll get to some of those a little bit later on. Sean Merriman, great NFL career as a linebacker, mostly with the San Diego Chargers. He finished up with the Buffalo Bills. He's a three-time pro bowler. He was a defensive rookie of the year in 2005. He now works for Fox Sports 1 in California, and I'm pleased for Sean to be joining us now. Sean, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing very well. Thanks a lot for making time for us. Pleasure to have you on the show, and... uh, how are you enjoying uh, Super Bowl week? The game's right around the corner. Pretty crazy there? Oh, I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, I guess it's the next best thing to do when you don't get a chance to play in it. Uh, so, you know, just enjoying the festivities, man. Uh, a lot of people coming out. Um, a lot of former teammates I haven't seen in a long time. A lot of, uh, you know, opponents who I've played in the past. You get a chance to, uh, you know, kind of see them at these events, talk about some of the older games you had against each other, some of the hardcore battles. Uh, and it's really a good environment to be at. How have you enjoyed the transition from being a player now to doing some of the uh, television work with Fox Sports 1? It's great. I mean, the hard part is working with Jay and Dan. That's the hardest part of my day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, no, I, I love it. I really do. Um, and, and the transition was, was easy for me because I really love the game of football and I wanted to stay around it. Uh, and it's always fun giving us insights of, the locker room and what happens before and after a game. And, um, you know, just my, my experience as a player uh, the, and, you know, 
throw in a suit and, and some makeup and, and let me talk about 30 minutes or so, and I think I, I should do okay. Well, and, and you've always been a very outgoing personality, haven't you? I mean, are you, when when you played, I remember you were, you know, very, I guess, visible is the right word. And, and didn't you even do some stuff with WWE for a bit? Yeah, actually, uh, I went down to WWE uh, to their facilities in Orlando uh, last year and tried out. I actually had to work out with WWE, and it went, it went well. Uh, so, we, you know, we're still talking, and, uh, you know, sometimes I do the, the WWE Network. I, I broadcasted on their uh, network for WrestleMania two years ago, which, which was one of the best experiences of my life because I'm, a, I'm still a huge WWE fan. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, just, just have my hands a little bit, just having fun broadcasting and, and, and being on the tube here and there and just really enjoying my post-career after football. Well, that, that's a great way to put it, and we're going to get into the Super Bowl, but, uh, I mean, you're, you're an interesting guy just to talk about this aspect of your life because you're still, you're still a pretty young man. So, you know, sometimes that transition, and I've talked to football, hockey players, you know, all kinds of sports uh, figures about this. So sometimes that transition from being a player to a, a non-player can be a pretty difficult one because you might be old in terms of your sport but young in terms of life. So you've seemed to embrace that sort of preparation and other avenues that you can pursue. I did, I did. But, you know, one of the things is uh, the regimen. The regimen is, is what you miss the most. The, the waking up in the morning, the gym, the film room for meetings, practice, even the, even the, the, the treatment. You know, you get for having injuries and things like that and being in the uh, in the locker room with the guys. So you just miss the regimen of the game. But once you kind of get over and saying, okay, physically, uh, you know, I don't want to go out here and put my body through it anymore or it's not there. Uh, in my case, you know, I had a few injuries while I played, so things changed as far as my explosiveness, things like that. And once I got over the fact that I was okay not playing football anymore, I really started to enjoy the, the other stuff away from the game. Former NFL linebacker Sean Merriman joining us tonight on Inside Sports. He's covering Super Bowl 50 for Fox Sports 1. All right, Sean, you were drafted 12th overall in 2005. The guy who went one spot ahead of you, taken by Dallas, he's now a Denver Bronco, DeMarcus Ware. Uh, He is still going and still going strong. I'm I'm guessing uh, he's going to be one of your key players for Sunday's game. Absolutely. Um, I think he's going to come up huge, and I'm really happy for him. Uh, you know, a guy like that who, who's played at the top of the top of the NFL for a long time and having this opportunity to go and shine uh, on the biggest stage in football. I mean, you play this, this game to be a champion, and he has an opportunity, so I'm really happy for him. But these pass rushers in general, him, Von Miller, and uh, Shane, and, and, and Derek Wolf, uh, these guys are going to have a chance to get after Cam Newton, and I think they will. Well, I, that leads me to my next question because these two weeks are always fun because we're all football experts at this time of year, right? And everybody wants to make a prediction on the game. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got, I got a buddy who comes up and talks football with me every few weeks here on the show, and he said that the Denver pass rush will not be able to get to Cam Newton like they did to Tam, Tom Brady simply because of uh, the mobility. Brady's more stationary. Newton can roam around a little bit more. Do, do you buy that, or do you think they're still going to be able to disrupt Cam Newton? Well, I think they will be able to disrupt him early uh, while the game is close. You know, the problem the problem is going to be for Denver is, can they often uh, put enough points on the board 
in order for that defense to be open enough to get out to Cam Newton. Um, if this game gets out of hand uh, and, and Carolina starts to put up points on the board and Denver can't, then Wade Phillips, the defensive coordinator of Denver, can't open his playbook. And that's when he, he's at his best using those pass rushers. If they're not able to get out to Cam Newton because the game is a little out of hand, uh, then that's where Denver can be in some trouble here. So what does Denver have to do offensively? Is this a game where they have to try to control the clock, Sean, and, and run it a lot and, and try and get a lot of five- to seven-yard plays? Or, or do they have to look for th- those explosion plays against Carolina? Well, in this case, you have to get points out of every situation. If you get down in the red zone, even if you don't score a touchdown, you have to have the ability to kick field goals and come away with some points because that's going to keep you in the game. That's going to keep the game closed. That's going to keep the uh, 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 Ron Rivera and the team nervous uh, where they can't open up their offensive playbook as well. They have to still be kind of conservative. If this game gets out of hand because uh, Denver can't score in the red zone, they don't put up any points at all, um, it, it's going to be bad, uh, bad for Denver. Their backs are going to be up against the wall, and it could happen early. What a crazy year for Peyton Manning. It, it looked like at one point in the season, maybe that was it. Maybe we'd never see him again. He's come back, gets his team, you know, the the home field advantage. They win a couple of close playoff games, and now he's in the Super Bowl again. Uh, you know, the, the, the feel-good story is is that he comes up with one final incredible performance in, in maybe his last game. Sean, we all like those storybook endings, uh, and you as an athlete know that sometimes they happen, but a lot, a lot of times they don't because there are, there are limitations. H- how realistic is it that we can see a really good and maybe a great Peyton Manning in this game? I think it's very realistic. Um, I think that he knows this, this could be it for him and he wants to go out with a bang. Um, you know, part of me uh, really wants to see him win this game and kind of ride off into the sunset. Just knowing this was a quarterback some weeks ago was benched, really. I mean, I know he had a foot injury and he was kind of beat up physically, uh, but he was really benched and couldn't get back on the field because Brock Osweiler was playing well enough where they didn't need Peyton Manning. And now he's found his way back on the field uh, and led them to a Super Bowl. And, you know, part of me, just to, just because he's a former competitor, um, I, you know, I want to see him win. All right. So a couple more before I let you go, Sean. Sean Merriman, uh, now with Fox Sports 1, former San Diego Charger, also played with the uh, Buffalo Bills, joining us tonight. It, it, so, it sounds like you're favoring Carolina. Is that is that your pick, though? Yeah, I, I'm favoring them because they're just too they're, they're too complete of a football team. Um, they're they're good on the offense side, the defense side, the special teams are playing well. You know, I think they're number one in rushing TDs for the season and, and number three in passing TDs. And when you have someone that can do something like that equally as well, they're very hard to beat. All right, and I referenced your draft year. 2005, you went 12, DeMarcus Ware went 11, Alex Smith, now with the Chiefs, went number one to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, A young man by the name of Aaron Rodgers went 24th to the Green Bay Packers. Who's the best player from the 2005 draft, Sean? And you are allowed to pick yourself, if you honestly believe it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, if if we're talking about the first four or five years, of course I'll pick myself, but I didn't have the longevity in my career uh, to be at the top. Uh, it's, it's it's hard to say. Uh, you know, Alex Smith. I mean, the way they finished up this year with Casey. I know they didn't get to the to the big game, um, but what they're doing down there is is extraordinary, and a big part of it is because of him. Um, 
So, you know, it, 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 it's hard to say in, in the market. You know, you, you talk about a Hall of Fame pass rusher. Uh, so it, it's tough. You know, it's tough to pick from that class. Had a bunch of guys uh, that's really still out playing and playing well. Also, you know, Adam Jones, Pac-Man still from that class. He's, you know, he's been a big part of Cincinnati's defense and them playing well. Yeah, well, some pretty good names. Roddy White stands out. Uh, I could list uh, I could list a lot of guys, but you're, you're right up there for sure. Sean, I know it's a busy weekend for you, so thanks for making time for us here in Edmonton. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, enjoy putting up with Jay and Dan, okay? Uh, you got it. I'll try my best. That is Sean Merriman joining us tonight, Inside Sports on 630. Chad, what a pleasure to have him on the show. Three-time Pro Bowler as a linebacker with the San Diego Chargers. Still a young man, 31. He's transitioned into broadcasting. And, yes, he works with our old buddies, Jay Onright and Dan O'Toole on Fox Sports 1 in the United States. He's going with Carolina. A lot of people are going with Carolina. It's funny, though, the, uh, the Bronco pickers coming out tonight. An unnamed texter says the Broncos will win 24-20. How about this? Sheldon says Denver will win it 17-9. The defense will shut down the offense. So uh, Sheldon picking a pretty low-scoring game. You can keep those texts coming in for fun to 630-630 with your Super Bowl pick. Uh, Who scored for the U of A? A text we got tonight. I thought I said the goal scorer. Maybe I didn't. It was Jaden Hart getting the goal for Alberta. 3.50 left in the second period. They continue to lead the Huskies 1-0. Phone number 780-496-0063. The email is inside sports at 630ched.com. It is 8-18. More Super Bowl stuff still ahead. We'll hear a little bit from Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley too. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. U of A leading U of S, two minutes to go, second period. We are live at Clear Drake Arena tonight, thanks to Matt Gooch and the communications staff. Tom Davies, our chief engineer at 630 Chad, for setting up our location tonight. Always fun to do a show on location, especially from good old Claire Drake. Kellen Kennedy back at the 630 Chet studio tonight. Kellen, we just had Sean Merriman on the show. Yeah. How can people go back and listen to that or other stuff they might have missed? Okay, so if you missed anything during the week, and I do mean anything from any of our great shows during the week, you go to 630Ched.com, click on the Shows tab, and everything is in order from Oilers Now to Jespo to everything, including our show. Right on. Now, Sean Merriman, do you, do you are you familiar with his uh, affiliation with WWE? Because you're a pretty big wrestling fan. Uh, loosely, loosely. Okay, because I believe for WrestleMania uh, 30, was that, what, the one in 2015? New Orleans, that was the one I was at, yep. So, okay, that was 2014 then. Yes. I think he was part of, uh, I, don't, I don't, he didn't wrestle, but I think he did some guest analysis or interviews or something like that. Okay. Uh, part yep. of the, the Yeah, I'd have to look back and see just because WrestleMania is such a huge time of year that the WWE pretty much empties the bank account and brings in like half of all, like half of like Hollywood and uh, sports celebrities and stuff like that to bring them in, right? So. Okay. Well, uh, most football players could definitely wrestle. They got the size. They oh, got yeah. the athleticism. Now, who was it? Was it Lawrence Taylor? Taylor that was back in one of the original WrestleManias? Lawrence Taylor was the uh, was involved, I should say, in the main event of WrestleMania 11 in 1995, and his opponent was Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, and didn't they once do something like who's tougher, NFL players or wrestlers? I don't know. 
Yeah, that's that. You, now you're thinking way back to 1986, uh, WrestleMania II, and that was the NFL versus WWF Battle Royal that they had in Chicago oh, okay. as part of WrestleMania II. And that's the WrestleMania they had in three different cities. That's correct, yep. And, oh, my God, we got a pane of glass here smashed, I think, by a fan leaning into it. Is that what happened? A, a fan knocked that? We got a five-on-five five scrum. I mean, you don't really see a lot of fighting in university hockey because it's an automatic uh, game misconduct and suspension. But it was a five-on-five five scrum. And in the Bears' end, we even got goaltender Lucas Siemens with his mask off. And fans knocking on the glass caused a piece of glass to shatter and come onto the ice. So with 55.9 seconds left in the second period, I, I would assume they're going to send the teams to the dressing room, clean up the glass, flood, finish the period, and uh, I'm going to tweet out a picture of this. I should have been filming the whole thing, Kellen. What was I thinking? <laughs> Things are breaking down <laughs> literally oh, at the Craig oh, Arena, oh, not oh, figuratively always, tonight, but literally. Always have the video going on your phone. So, and uh, now security there, so I assume whoever got a little over-exuberant is, is going to be removed from the facilities. And, uh, yeah, and I, you know what? I didn't see what started that altercation. But, yeah, these two old rivals, things heating up once again. Well, that was a pleasant little, well, I don't know if it was pleasant, but that was an unexpected little surprise here. I'll tweet out this picture right away, Kellen. I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of the rink, so uh, you'll, it'll kind of look smaller, obviously. But, yeah, they're chipping out the remainder of the glass onto the ice, and they're going to shovel it up. Security in that section. <laughs> so, wow, Bears leading one nothing, getting more than we bargained for here. Absolutely. Reed, uh, might want to send Matt Gooch to the equipment room to get a spare helmet for you. Protect yourself for the third period. <laughs> well, I think I'm okay. There's nobody behind me, so I should be all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was fun. Are we winding down this half hour already? We are, yeah. Okay, so Jamie Thomas is still ahead. We'll keep you updated on this game. Looks like some players, I don't know if we got game misconducts, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be uh, at least 10 minute misconducts and some penalties. That was a wild one, man. I don't know if I've ever seen a pane of glass broken by a, or a fan before. one nothing. the Bears leading it. Jamie Thomas with some Super Bowl talk. A little bit from Mike Riley as well. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, pretty good job getting the pane of glass replaced. They're about to drop the puck again here so they didn't have to send the teams off. The Bears do get a power play out of that. 
We're uh, inside sports live from Claire Drake Arena. So there's 55.9 seconds left in the second period. There was a big five-on-five scrum in the Bears' end, and a fan slamming on the glass caused the glass to shatter and uh, pop out onto the ice. So <laughs> never seen that one before. I got a Twitter uh, picture on my Twitter account, at Reed Wilkins. It, it's obviously not as dramatic as having seen it happen live, but you'll get a sense of the uh, aftermath anyway. Bears up one nothing on their uh, third power play of the game. They don't have a shot, actually, in about 10 minutes since they got the goal. Jamie Thomas. Joining us tonight from Santa Clara, California, where he's been covering the Super Bowl all week. Jamie, always fun to be at Claire Drake Arena, buddy. <laughs> how, are, how are you doing? <laughs> are you sure you just said that a fan knocked the glass out of the thing at the stanchion? Yes. <laughs> it popped uh, onto the ice. How's the fan? Did he get, anything, did he get cut or anything? Like I, that, or? I believe he or she has been ejected from the premises. That's the. Oh. seemed like that's what was that happening. That's quite the violent little little thing to knock the glass out, wouldn't you say? <laughs> well, maybe that pane of glass had it coming. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he was looking at me the wrong way. <laughs> uh, spirited game here. Uh, Huskies uh, ranked number one in the country. Bears number seven. Uh, two teams, obviously, have a lot of uh, battles between them. So it's been fun to do the show live from here tonight. Hey, uh, Jamie, I know there we, we got a... We, we get all kinds of emails uh, Super Bowl week. It, it's funny. During Super Bowl week, everybody wants you to have the expert from their gambling site on your talk show, right? So, right, so right, we, right, right. So we got an email from, from Bodog. And Dave and I have done this in the past. We decided not to do a specific segment on it this year because I, I think it gets a little re- repetitive. But uh, they, they do have all these types of prop bets you can make. Some of them combining different sports. For example, you can bet on what will be higher, the total touchdowns scored in the Super Bowl or the total shots on goal by Alexander Ovechkin on February 7th. All right. You can, okay. also, you can also bet on yes or no. Will Peyton Manning be seen crying at any point during the broadcast? <laughs> and then okay. it has a note. It has a note. Live pictures only must clearly see a tear. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, at least they got. At least they have sanctions. Like they it's very specific. And then look Not at this. Just sweat dripping out of space. Will there be an earthquake during the game? Yes, ten to one. Oh, like that's kind bad. of a morbid. Like remember the 1989 World Series? Yeah, yeah. How can you <laughs> like, forget that ever? Like, do we really have to bet on natural disasters at games? But probably, probably not the best idea to throw it out there. But I'm sure people will still bet on it. Well, yeah. I, I for one, am not going to put a bet on it. Just not to play with Mother Nature. No, I agree. How is the weather there? Uh, it's been good. It's only rained, I think, one day here. It's been, it's about 18 degrees here. But isn't it? Hasn't it been nice? The whole week in Alberta as well. Uh, it's been warm. It's not been that warm. Yeah, but still, again, like I've said before, when you go on a you go on a trip someplace nice, you want people to tell you it's minus 30. There's snow everywhere. Can't see a thing. Then people are more jealous of your, your where you're at. But if it's nice, what's the sense? But it's, it's been 18 degrees. It's been nice, and Sunday's supposed to be really nice for football too. So, and with a 3:30 local start, it'll, it should be nice after the game too. Now, before we talk about the game itself, give us a, uh, a sense of 
of covering the game because I mean we've mm-hmm. all we've all done things in our lives where you know in our broadcasting lives where okay there's a lot of media. I mean I know my personal experience this year for some of the McDavid stuff it's like all right there's there are more guys than usual covering NHL regular season games. Um, right, and right. you've done NFL playoffs and all that kind of stuff before. Obviously, you've done you've done hockey, um, but just give us a sense of the the crush of the media and the competition, just to try and get your sound bites and all that stuff throughout the week. Well, oh, here's a good example. Uh, the, the first day they do media night, right? They changed that from a Tuesday. They pushed media day to, mo- to Monday night, and they put that in prime time. That is like a massive of humanity, and you just you just wait till your chance when there's like one opening to go in and talk to whoever has you know at that point. Now Peyton Manning and Cam Newton, not a chance. You're not getting in unless you got in there first. Um, for the rest of the week, then on the Tuesday at the Broncos facility and at their hotel in Santa Clara. Uh, they made the mistake of putting Peyton Manning at a table instead of at the podium. And, man, there was, like, probably 20 cameras. And uh, Corey Blaschel and I waited and waited to get in. And you had to plug in your mic, right, just to, to put in the sound box. But right. we went in We went in with the Sportsnet freaking lengthy microphone. And I had a lady from the NFL, from the NFL tell me, you can't do that. I'm poking my microphone into the shot, right? So I'm like, yes, I can. And I just kept putting it into the shot because I couldn't get my sound. And there's guys pulling, you know, the sound, the cable from that's plugged in from your camera into the sound box. And this guy's pulling out from multiple people's feet, yanking on it. I'm like, we're not doing that. We're going in. So, And I'm squatted down. I'm asking Peyton Manning. He's looking down at me, and I'm like at the bottom of the table pretty much asking him about his thoughts on Owen Daniels. And he looked down at me and just went out as business as usual. It's it's insane. And But if you get – I will say this. The guys are a lot looser, I find, than when you talk to them pre-practice or post-game because probably, A, it's mandated by the National Football League that you talk – and B, I think they're a little bit looser because it's so much earlier in the morning. Because it was on Wednesday and Thursday, it was 8 a.m. Pacific time when they were, the Broncos' media availability was. So uh, they, it was before practice. It was before they had watched film. So I guess maybe they're in a much better mood, or um, you know, they they feel better about talking at that time. But but about Thursday, they're done because the questions aren't getting any different, right? Cam Newton's asking questions, answering questions about being a black quarterback. Peyton Manning's answering questions about, is this your last game? What do you think of John Elway? What do you think of Gary Kubiak? What do you think of if Brock Wall? You know, it's the same questions by Thursday over and over again. So uh, they, they look pretty exhausted. I bet you today they're thrilled that they didn't. They're done talking to the media until Saturday, until Sunday after the football game. Okay. I'll ask you this. Players usually get asked this. Yeah. I, know, I know this is kind of awkward for you because – you're a media guy, and we always try to be respectful yeah. of others in our profession. But what's the stupidest question yeah. you heard asked this week? Okay, that was on Monday night because that, that was when um, uh, some dude asked Cam Newton if he would sign his wife's boobs. What? <laughs> Pardon me? Yeah. Yeah. A yeah, media said, member asked my- that? Yeah, or, or I'm not sure if it was a media member, if it was a guy from, you know, who knows? It's from a website. Like TMZ or something. Play. Yeah, you never know, right? And then there's 
a girl walking around from uh, extra with a football helmet full of questions, like a piece of paper, you know, and she, uh, the guy would reach in and pull out a helmet. And the question for Ryan Khalil, who's a center for the um, Carolina Panthers, was, who is Taylor Swift uh, dating right now? That was the question that he had to answer. <laughs> oh, my so, God. Okay. And then there's there's other guys walking. Brett Kiesel used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, had a huge beard. Yeah. Uh, last part of his career, he was he was there for head and shoulders. So he's asking questions like, who do you think can shoulder the load for your team? So clearly he's being paid oh seventy some. You know, you so, know what I mean? Like totally selling out so he can. And then he's playing with his beard and that that type of stuff. So Monday, the super media night is by far the stupidest question night by far. So ex players now go back to the Super Bowl and ask questions yeah. that would have annoyed yeah. them when they played, but they're happy to do it Absolutely. to other guys. <laughs> yeah, because they're getting paid very well, but the other guys, I think, get it. They're like, they realize you're still capitalizing on your NFL stardom, I guess. So they, the nine times out of ten, the guys were pretty cool about it because a lot of guys are growing beards, right? So the beard, the facial thing, the facial hair thing is a big thing right now. So uh, Monday was full of the dumb questions by far. Okay. Jamie Thomas joining us. He's covering the Super Bowl for sports that, you know, it was awesome. Had Sean Merriman on the show in the last half hour. He, he's going yeah. with Carolina. He seems to think that Carolina might be able to pull away and really open up the playbook and uh, and limit Denver. Yeah. I'm one of the few people picking Denver because I, I, think, they, I think they're well coached and I think their defense yeah. is good enough to disrupt Newton, even though Newton is a good scrambler. Uh, give give yeah. me your summary of some of the keys here, and then of course I'll ask you for your pick. Uh, here's here's what's going to happen because uh, what Denver did to New England was tremendous. But New England has five man protection nine times out of ten. They Brady's out of the shotgun. Uh, of course, uh, Denver's going to get a lot of pressure. There'll be better protection for for Cam Newton, but. Uh, Carolina's weak on their tackles on their on the left and right side, and with Vaughn Miller coming off one side and Demarcus Ware coming off the other, I think they're going to cause a lot of problems. And Denver gets a lot of penetration up the middle with their defensive tackles, so I still think they're going to get the type of pressure they got on Brady. They may not hit him, Cam Newton as much as they hit Brady, but they're going to disrupt him. And I think one thing that Denver can do better than anybody in the National Football League is play man to man coverage. And Carolina's receivers are not that good, so that's why I think Denver's going to win. Give me a score. Score. Uh, I'm going to go 2017. You got 2017 Denver, you said? Yeah, correct. Okay, well, we actually agree on this one, so we are going to end tied, right? Because (laughs) (laughs) I pull. We are, because you clean clean swept me on the the AFC and NFC championship, so. All right. Well, we'll have to go if one of us nails the score. I got 24-19 for Denver. Well, how about this for a tiebreaker? We got to pick a, an MVP. Uh, Vaughn Miller. Okay, I'll go. How about all this? Can I just say a Denver running back? How about that? <laughs> yeah, that works for me. Yeah, okay. that's good. I'm you on that one. <laughs> all right, Jamie, it's been great having. Well, this isn't the end of you coming on because you come on year round. Yeah. But, we, but we do a lot of CFL and yeah. NFL with you. So uh, thanks for everything throughout the football seasons, man. Thanks, man. I, re- I appreciate you having me on, Reed, and enjoy the rest of the night and enjoy the game on Sunday. Right on. That is Jamie Thomas checking in from Santa Clara, California. All right. Well, I I thought he was going to pick Carolina, but we both are going with the Denver Broncos. Coming up on 845, you can keep texting us your picks to 630-630. I'll read a couple of those uh, when we get back. 
And we'll hear from Mike Riley, Eskimos quarterback, who gave his prediction to Morley Scott. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I did not win Chuck a puck. My puck wound up by the penalty box <laughs> on the did first. You go high heat, like I said. Yeah, but it kind of came sloppily out of my hand. It bar- this was embarrassing. It barely cleared the glass. Like I almost didn't make the ice surface. Oh. And then I thought, oh, this might be good because it took a big hop, and I thought, oh, now it might die in the center circle. But then it went on edge, and it rolled all the way across to near the Saskatchewan bench in the penalty box area. I actually tweeted out a YouTube video of it. <laughs> Uh, this texture says, I've never been wrong on the Super Bowl except last year. Over 30 years, the Panthers will destroy Denver. Won't be close. I hate to be a jerk. Texture, I don't believe you. <laughs> that, you're, that you're at least 29-1 and one on your Super Bowl predictions. I'm sorry. I flat out don't believe you. I think you're trying to be a macho texture to a sports show anonymously. I'm sorry. I don't, I, I don't believe you. Uh, all right, uh, let's get to uh, Mike Riley, who sat down with Morley Scott today. Besides giving a Super Bowl prediction, he uh, talked about spending this week in Edmonton. It's It's been a great couple of days just being back, like how much we've got in. Uh, that was my main thing was to come back to meet with the staff, um, to get to know their personalities and get to know their X's and O's of how they coach football. Um, and I've already spent a ton of time meeting with the offensive staff, um, you know, meeting with Moss, obviously, um, but the rest of the offensive coaches and meeting with Jordan, the quarterback coach, and just getting to know the different personalities, um, you know, and, and their mindsets and how they think football. We've watched a lot of tape together already. We're going to watch a lot more over the next couple of days. Um, you know, and it's just we're going to do absolutely everything that we can to make sure that when June 1st hits and training camp starts, we're picking up right where we left off last year as Grey Cup champions, and we're not trying to get to know each other and trying to learn different things. We want to start fast, um, you know, and that's kind of what we didn't do last year. That was one of the few things we did not do well last year as the Edmonton Eskimo Football Club was we didn't start the season well, and we didn't start games well. You know, we, we got our butts handed to us in the first game of the regular season, and most games we would go into the locker room behind at halftime so you know it's kind of a mentality that we want to change where we want to we want to continue to play well in the second half of games and the second half of the season like we did um, but we want to come out and start a lot faster and that 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 work that groundwork gets laid right now not not in may and not in june but but right now all right super bowl now what's your prediction what kind of game do you think it's going to be Man, my gut instinct tells me it's going to be a blowout and Carolina's going to win big uh, just because they're playing such good football. Cam's playing great football. Um, their whole team is playing incredible football. I mean, they dismantled Seattle pretty well in the first half of that game, and Seattle's a very good football team. Um, but my heart tells me I would love for Peyton to, like, come back with one last great game. You know, it just seemed like it was such a big downturn for him. It seemed like it was only a year or two ago that he was throwing like 50 touchdown passes in a season and now all of a sudden it's like you know whatever his regular season numbers were like nine touchdowns and 13 or 15 interceptions or something like that and you know he may be the best quarterback to ever play that I get 
that I'll remember watching play. Like it could be, you know, 50 years and we go, we haven't seen one as good as him between him and Tom Brady. Um, and I just would like to see a guy like him finish on top, you know, uh, but like I said, my brain tells me that ain't going to happen. So we'll see. It is kind of a cool story though. Eh? The old dog and the young buck. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, it's the new generation, right? Um, you know, and, and that's, that's how football is, especially at the quarterback position. It takes a really long time to, for guys to get trained in the position, to have success and to learn how, how to be successful at the quarterback position and then once once you learn it and you get good at it it's such an asset to have that you know you they keep guys like that around for a long time because they keep winning games um, but eventually it ends for everyone and uh, and when it ends somebody else has got to pick up the mantle and, and carry it around and, and that's kind of what we're seeing you know cam it's not a fluke how good they are he's a he's a very good football player and he's going to be for a long time so um, yeah I just hope Peyton's able to go out with the bang. Last one for you, and I, I just want to get your thoughts on this. I've said it a couple times. Uh, positions totally different, talent, different talents and everything. I watch Cam Newton play, and I just think Odell Willis. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, they, they do have very uh, – I think if Odell was a quarterback, he may not be as good as Cam Newton, <laughs> although Odell might argue that. Um, but, no, it's uh, I, I do think they, they do have very um, – close similarities in, in their personalities and just the – I mean, it, a lot of people have been giving Cam flack about how he plays. You don't want your quarterback to play like that. And, you know, me as a quarterback, I would never, you know, be flashy like he is out there on the field. But I don't mind it because he's just enjoying playing the game. He loves to play the game of football. And Odell's the same way, man. Before Odell came to Edmonton, I was like, I don't know if I want to play with this guy. Like everything that I've seen from him, he doesn't seem like a guy that I would get along with. And then as early as day one in the locker room, you realize like, wait a minute, I've had this guy pegged all wrong from the beginning. It's not some sort of thing where it's this like showboat where it's like he, he, he has to have everything on him. He just loves playing the game of football and that's what he loves to do. That's what he's born to do. And when he's out there on the field playing, you just cannot hide that happiness. You can't hide the excitement and the love for the game. And, and people show that in different ways. And you know what? Some of the old dogs don't like that style, but I say, you know what? If you don't like it and you're upset about it, beat them, make them stop doing it. And if you can't stop Cam Newton from scoring touchdowns and you can't stop Odell from getting sacks on the quarterback, then quit complaining because the only way you're going to stop him from celebrating is to stop him from doing good things on the field. Mike Riley, as always, generous with your time. Thanks very much. Uh, good to see you again. Enjoy the rest of the offseason. Yeah, thanks, Morley. All right, that's Morley Scott. Got to sit down with Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley. And the Golden Bears have just scored a power play goal 45 seconds into the third period. Jordan Rowley, who, of course, was in uh, Oilers camp, gets the goal. So the Bears take control of the game. 2-0 up on the U of S Huskies. Some texts coming into 630-630 about the Super Bowl here. We have MD saying... Experience trumps youth. Broncos in a blowout. Book it. Uh, the the uh, texter who I, I said <laughs> who I said I didn't believe that he has only been wrong on one Super Bowl in the last 30 years has texted back he goes my average over the season against the spread is 85 percent look for my website next year nfl picks by ziggy stardust i had no money on last year's game maybe that's why i lost 
I can back it up, so go ahead, don't believe me. Okay, I won't. <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? Like, great. Uh, Yakishev says, uh, Reed, I have never been right on the Super Bowl in 30 years. Denver will win. Now, that's why I love when Yakishev uh, texts the show. All right. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Fun show from Claire Drake Arena. Bears in a good situation here, and they're going to go back. Oh, no, who's getting this penalty? Oh, it's going on the U of A, so the Huskies are going to get a power play here. Still 18-17 to go. Thanks to our guest tonight. You heard from former NFL linebacker Sean Merriman. You heard from Bob Stoffer. You heard from U of A Golden Bears hockey general manager Stan Marple. And, of course, you heard from Jamie Thomas. Thanks to Tom Davies, our head engineer at 630 Chet, for setting us up here at Claire Drake and Matt Gooch and the U of A information staff for being so accommodating as well. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Currently enjoying time with his newborn son. Congratulations to Dave and Jen. And the studio producer tonight, Kellen Kennedy. We're back on the air sports-wise. 10.30 tomorrow morning. Noon face-off. Oilers against the Montreal Canadiens. Look forward to bringing you that game. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight.